Thank you for joining us to TLDR Game Series On The Road. Today I am with Dragon Phoenix Games. Uh, we have Harvey and Carly. Say hi. Hello. Hi. So how are you guys doing today? We're now at the uh, Tabletop Artisans uh, Workshop. That's right. And uh, you guys are o have always been busy since I've seen you this morning. Yeah. Yes, it's been great. Yeah. We had a uh, yeah. We've had a lot of people testing our games. We brought six games, and they've kept us very busy testing them. Yeah, we have right now. Uh, uh, team is playing one of our co-op games called Phobos Falling. It's a space adventure that uh, you're in a wrecked space station and trying to keep the thing viable long enough that you don't die <laughs> before you get your shuttle built so you can get back to Earth. Um, and we've got another group that is blind testing, um, running from our instruction book, um, a game called Viper Ops, that's a, a spy agency type of game. So uh, you compl complete a bunch of missions and get powers and things like that to do more missions. And it's um, interesting to see if, if they manage it without having someone tell them how to do it. Right. So, wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And then me and Harvey just did... On that live play test of uh, Blackstone Castle, Harvey, tell us how it went. Oh, it went great. Uh, we had four players who had never played before, and they, they picked up on it pretty quickly. And uh, I was very happy with how well that went, and I think they all enjoyed it quite a bit. As a matter of fact, they were asking about some of the advanced features that I had mentioned and uh, hoping that they could try it with those. Well, that's fantastic, actually, right there, hearing that they're already talking about the game right afterwards. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. one of the yeah. best compliments you can get is the fact that after a game's done, you're like, oh, man, I still want to I want more. Again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. So how does that make you feel that you're here with playtesters, you know, people you don't know, and getting to see them play your games and then react to it? How, how is that for you guys as designers? Oh, it feels great. Um, that's one of the things I really get out of the game design is when I uh, show someone else a design and, and they like it enough to ask for it again, it just makes you feel really good that you know, other people appreciate uh, the kind of thing that you're creating. So uh, that's, I guess any kind of artist, um, it's just a great sense of accomplishment when other people appreciate what you've done. So I like that. Good. Carly? Well, um I think it's really fun to watch other people interact with the game because one of the things that happens, especially in some of the games that are less well-developed, um, it's good to see where they get in trouble and where they get tripped up and, and can't quite move forward because maybe we've goofed up in our design. You know, Maybe we don't have um, the right tools for them to um, see what they can do, what their options are in the game. Or maybe we don't have a, a, the right rule set that makes it too hard for them, you know. And so it's really kind of well, interesting yes. to see people who don't know the game. Yeah, as the designers and developers, stumble. We know how the game is supposed to work because <laughs> yeah. we've been there from the get-go. So it's when someone that ha hasn't seen it before, when you can finally see it through someone else's eyes and see, well, I know how to do that, but I didn't explain it for someone who's never been told how to do it. So that's when you get a chance to see that, okay. It's obvious to me, but I need to do a little bit more to help the players see what they're supposed to do. Right. So, well, I, then this is a great experience for you guys. Right. Yeah, it's so awesome. So, do you have any games released so far? Uh, no, no games have actually been published, uh, although uh, we have a couple of them. that One of them we're going to probably kickstart in the next quarter is the Blackstone Castle that we just did. 
and we're also probably going to go ahead and self-print possibly uh, Burning Phoenix in in the next few months or we might there's another Kickstarter type um, what, what is that other forum that um, don't remember it's well, there's another forum that does similar things like uh, Kickstarter does that's kicking off here oh, in February yeah the the, the, one that, the bread um, bread baking games game mm, not going to come up with it it's it's, it's okay it's, anyway so it, we yeah. might go with that other one and, and try that forum for the other one so either we're going to yeah. kickstart one and do this other form for the other or we might just print the other one but we have like a, such a large backlog it's just a matter of how fast we can get them to market because we have 20 designs 10 or 12 of them are in pretty good shape but it's just the all the getting all the art done and all the you know getting you know, reviews and getting yeah. the word out there that's uh taking the time yeah, right but our objective is that for 2018 we really want to get two to four games out this year um, just introduced into the market so that we can start having a, a regular release cycle so that's well i can't wait yeah. uh now well, i want to start off real quick harvey said this in the live stream brad told me this uh Wednesday night after I met up with you guys at the Dallas Design Group that you actually do co-op variants for different board games. When did this start? Like, what made you want to, to start doing those variants and, you know, for co-ops? Okay. You want me to tell this one? Why don't you yeah, tell this, this one's <laughs> This one's because um, this came out of our own need and also from something that I've observed with our game group. We have a regular game group that, that meets, and one of the things I keep hearing from the guys is, yeah, well, my wife won't play with me. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about uh, that is it looks to me like one of the problems that happens is that if he's gonna beat her every time, not saying that he does, but he does. <laughs> um, if he's gonna beat her again and again and again at particular games, she's gonna lose interest, right? And so what happened to us is we were getting to the point where it was, I'm not a great loser. I'm not either, really. He's not either. <laughs> so you're both and, competitive. Well, yes. were, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and we love playing, but um, we found that there was so much wear and tear on the relationship when we were playing against each other all the time. And I think what happened was just one day I said, oh, couldn't we just cooperate on this one, you know? And you're the designer. Go figure some way yeah, out for I us mean, to do this. We had some cooperative games that were designed that mm -hmm. way from the uh, designers, but there's just not a huge amount of cooperative games out there. And, you know, a lot of the people we play with just won't uh, play those anyway. But So I started taking some of the games that we like to play, but we were getting a little tired of beating each, up, uh, beating each other up in the games. And trying to find a way to adapt the rules to where we could play cooperatively to a common objective. And we did a few of those just for us. Mm -hmm. uh, and then some of them started turning out so well, at some point she had the idea, well, why don't we just start uh, putting them out there for everyone else? We'll you know, create a blog out on BGG where we let people know about them. And we started making overview videos. So, so what we're doing now is... I have the blog on BGG called Games for Friends and Lovers, and every time we release one, we put a, uh, a little release um, entry out in the blog telling people about it, and then we also uh, do a YouTube video where we have an overview of how it works and show them a little bit of the play, and then you can just go to our website and download the rules for free. I mean, yeah. And 
we have a couple of people who are diehard fans already, which is really fun because they, you know, they, they, they write to us. There's, there's one, one gal who writes to us. She's in Canada. And every time a new one comes out, she says, oh, this is great. This is so fun. I'm so glad you guys are doing this, you know, and, and, and that's tremendous. She'll even see which ones we're going to come out with next and go buy the game just because she knows we're yeah. going to make an adaptation That's for great. It. That I mean, awesome? I was looking, and I saw you guys had a really great following, mm-hmm. you know, off of what you've been doing for uh, – say it again. Games Sorry. for Friends and Lovers. Games for Friends and Lovers. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just so great that you guys are doing that. I don't know if you've met my uh, two other partners here, Sean and Diana. They're a married couple. They cannot lose to each yeah. other. <laughs> There's yes. been – like, yes. we were there playing a game <laughs> – and it was a simple game called Bullfrogs mm-hmm. that had to be put up because they thought they were oh, attacking no. each other too much. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think they would love yeah. your um, adaptations that you do for your games. And, and one of the things it does is you don't have to go buy a whole bunch of new co-op games. If you can use some games you may already have in a cooperative mode, it saves you all. I mean, you get to play a game you like that you maybe you, you've gotten tired of competing with each other. And then uh, you don't have to go buy a whole bunch of new games. So it, yeah. it really expands what you can do with your own library. Well, great. That's so fantastic you guys are doing that. Now, are you going to start pulling your fans from there into your um, board so. game development? Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah we several of them, all, uh, you know, like I say, our diehard fans have already said, anything you put out there, I'm there, <laughs> I'll back it. <laughs> now, so. with Blackrock, I saw it wasn't too co-op. Eh? So. No, no. Castle, Blackrock <laughs> yeah. Castle. Uh, Blackstone. Blackstone. Blackstone Castle. Blackstone Castle actually has uh, five different games. You just saw the main game. There is a co-op version of the one you just saw, and there's another full co-op version that plays differently, and then there's... Two other... Well, I guess so there's two other competitive games besides the one you saw. And then there's also uh, expanded play with... uh, there's some family cards that give you special abilities that you can add to that game. So there's a lot of other play available in the one game. Wow, that that's yeah. great because that's one thing that you get. Like, first off, when I saw your game, I was like, oh, this looks like a micro game. It's anything but. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a simple, you know, cards on the table. But what all happens with those cards is mm-hmm. just astronomical. And what you've done. Harvey, tell me the story of how this idea came to you. Blackstone. Oh, uh, this one came to me in a dream. Uh, of my 20 designs, there's two of them that came to me in dreams, but I, I just woke up one morning kind of vaguely remembering a dream, and I don't really even remember what the dream was about, but it just, you know, led me into this, uh, this format of maneuvering cards on the board and flipping them and trying to match a formula. And yeah. I had put a challenge to him because one of the things that uh, is true is that we have a very different style of play. He is awesomely good at sequencing and at efficiency. I'm more visual. Mm. And so I said, one day I was whining, you know, that (laughs) will happen. Um, And, you know, I said, well, we play all these games that play to your strengths. Make me a game that plays to my strengths. And so that's where this one came out of that request because we wanted something very visual. Uh, Yeah, I I was focusing on trying to come up with something visual. But like I said, I woke up one morning and just it was there, you know. And if you guys haven't seen the uh, live stream yet, the way this game is played, there's not much strategy to it, I've noticed. It's more reactionary to anything else because the board is constantly moving and changing with every player and the more players you add to it the more things change before it's your turn again mm-hmm. yep so the 
with that, the artwork, I have to say, is so colorful. Carly, you oh, did a great you. job on that. Thank you. So why did you decide to go with that much, like, different color schemes and, you know, the, the uh, symbols on them? You know, I, I noticed it was great for colorblind people as well. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, we're, we're sensitive to the issue of colorblind because um, one of the designers that we play with regularly um, in our design group is colorblind. And so... Uh, actually a couple of them are and they're in different parts of the spectrum which is sort of interesting so um, you know I'm I, as a designer I've, I've been sensitive to that before because I had a client once who was and so I'm always aware of that as, as a potential problem and so we really worked hard to create something that's both colorful and that can be played without worrying about the color you know, so um, we've got the shapes that tell you a story, but also the colors that tell you a story. As for the palette, um, I was a stained glass artist for a long time, wow. and so the intense colors tend to be sort of my personal palette. Well, I mean, it definitely <laughs> brings out what you're playing on the table. If anything else, it is such an attractive game. Uh, I was talking to Doomsday, and they were saying, you know, treat games like art. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you guys did that very well with this game. Well, thank you. So, I also noticed it's engine building, which is, Harvey, your specialty. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, almost any game I come up with, uh, it seems like it has something to do with engine building. I mean, I'm an engineer, I like to build things, and uh, <laughs> I like to try to make things as efficient as I can. So, yes, I'm always designing things about how, how you can be efficient. And building an engine, you know, there, there's an efficiency aspect to that. What's the most efficient way to build your engine? And when do you kind of cut back on your engine building and go for the end game? So that's the kind of thing I like to do. So tell us about the gameplay in itself, of how this works. Again, for people who have not seen the live stream. Uh, for the Blackstone Castle? Yep. Uh, well, the idea is it's set in a fantasy realm where uh, the kingdoms are in turmoil and... Uh, you're one of the courtiers in the kingdom of Avondale, and the king is trying to carry out political machinations uh, because there's, you know, think of something like uh, Game of Thrones or something where there's all this turmoil and people battling for the thrones. So he's trying to do things to, to uh, that affect the borders and who who is in control of what. And so you have a board that's created uh, with cards that create a grid, five by five grid, that are defined by the letters in the word Blackstone. If you notice, all the letters are different in the words Blackstone. Mm -hmm. So it creates a grid, and you have cards on the board that represent vassals that the king and his courtiers are manipulating to accomplish his objectives. So you get cards with the objectives that tell you what kind of vassals with different um, different skills and, and in different regions of the lands, different things that you have to do. So you have to use your uh, knights and wizards that you have at your command to manipulate these things around the board to complete these machinations as well as to build up your engine by increasing your influence with the knights and the wizards and the king. Right. So I was noticing with knights they allow you to move cards mm -hmm. and wizards they allow you to flip them or? Well they allow you to flip cards, they allow you to swap adjacent cards, they allow you to get new cards to put in your hand that like influence cards or machination cards. The, the knights can also guard a card that, you know, if you get a vassal in a particular place and you need it to stay there for a later round, you can, they can guard it to try to prevent the other players from doing anything with it. They can also uh, uh, retain a card because sometimes you need to take a card off the board and save it for a, a later use. So um, 
you know, there's a lot of different things you can do with both the knights and wizards. And then you have kings, and what's their object? Oh, well, priority what in the, this game? What the king does is uh, it affects the limits that you have on each of the things in the game. Uh, the number of cards that you can hold in your hand is limited by how many kings you have, king influence cards you have. The number of knight chips that you have to, to do your manipulations with, the number of wizard chips that you have, the number of completed wizard cards, completed knight cards, completed machination cards, everything is controlled by how many king influence cards you have in play at the time. Right. So you have the king cards are controlling your resources, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and the resources are your knights that you gain at, was it the beginning of every turn? Beginning of mm -hmm. every round. Right. And then as you spend them, you get to then move your cards, you know, to mm -hmm. the right spots, to the right letters, flip them, all to complete your machinations. Right. Yeah. And then to win, you have? To complete three machinations for the king. And then once someone does that, we'll finish the round so everybody gets the same number of turns. And then see if, if more than one person has gotten there, then there's some tiebreakers. But it's basically usually only one person gets there. Yeah, I saw this game was was really close. It was just played, you know. So if they would have tied, what is the first tiebreaker? Well, the first tiebreaker. Well, it is remotely possible for someone to have completed four machinations, and that would be the tiebreaker if it happened. But more likely, uh, you go down through the various influence areas. So most king influence cards completed would be next then the wizard influence, and then knight influence, and then remaining unused wizard and knight tokens, remaining retained cards, uh, and yeah. I So think basically that's everything that you can use to make the game go, you count. And, you know, whoever has the most of, of those things will break the tie. Right. Well, so great game. Like I said, I can't, I'll play with you guys as soon as we're yeah. done recording okay, everything. Uh, but I will say that, we'll ask this, and the fact that, the theme. Harvey got the card system in the game, but what what made you think about you know going to a medieval theme with this game? Actually, that came from Brad from Doomsday Robots. Really? Uh, it, uh, the previous version uh, was based on different types of gems and the idea of, uh, that you were in some underground labyrinth and manipulating that. And uh, he he convinced us that uh, we would probably reach uh, interest more people with a, a medieval political type theme. So that's where we got that idea. And how, how have you felt about it since? Oh, I, I think love it's, it. it's a great idea. I think yeah. the gym cards that she came up with were very attractive, but these are even more eye-catching, I think. And I think the the description of the theme and, and what you're doing makes a lot more sense with this theme. Right. I was listening to Carly's explanation at the very beginning. Yeah. You know, I love that rich theme you guys put to mm -hmm. to the game before you know the players got started. Well, one of the things that's going on is that we have more than one game that uh, fits in kind of a, a medieval fantasy realm, and we've been fleshing out the realm a little bit at a time. We have an understanding. We've got a map, mm -hmm. um, you know, so we know where the kingdoms are and what their resources are in the kingdoms and what kinds of um, it, it, things, that, how the rulers go and what the, what's different about the different countries, you know. And so um, we're really beginning to understand the story of this realm. Uh, um, and so we have Blackstone Castle is in there. Um, Avondale. Uh, Avondale Court is... Uh, uh, a game where you work on promoting yourself from a, a nobody 
to uh, you know somebody who has a trade to somebody who has a profession and then eventually you become a counselor for the king you know also the same environment you know it's the same realm and the same king and in that same case. king in there yeah <laughs> but we uh, and I think there we have are dragon clans dragon clans uh, we have a uh, uh, Thunderstone Mountain. Thunder Mountain. Thun yeah, Thunder yeah. Mountain. Yeah. And um, I think there's, what else is um, there? I don't remember. Oh, there's Burning Phoenix yeah. Inn yeah. is in the That's same in realm. There. So yeah, so the ones that all kind of fit in that same fantasy theme, we're putting them all in the same realm. And uh, Serendipity's Cauldrons is mm -hmm. also in that realm. Yeah. So we're just kind of putting the, them the all more, in the same world. The more games we develop in there, the more we know about what the realm looks like and how it works. <laughs> Well, so it's you know it, it's becoming richer. That, that's great, you know, and I love how if pe as people buy your games, they're unlocking more story. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To that's to your mean. games, and not only that, to your storytelling. Right. Which is a great thing. Right. So yeah. this game, uh, Blackstone Castle, is going to be hitting Kickstarter next quarter. Uh, so look out for it. Now let's talk about the uh, game after that. You said it was Burning in. Burning, Burning Phoenix. Phoenix Burning in. Phoenix in. Yeah, that's a game that. Um, it's a, a little bit uh, lighter game than even than this one. Uh, we have some heavier games, but this is probably our lightest game. And the idea is that you're uh, a young person that you'd like to go out and adventure and make your name name for yourself and fortune, but you you don't you're too young. You don't know where to go. Where am I going to go find an adventure? So you decide to go to the local tavern, the Burning Phoenix Inn, where most of the adventurers hang out, and see if you can find out a good place to go start your career in adventuring. So it, it, it's a card game um, with the idea is that <clears throat> it's a set collection and there's different kinds of um, places that you can go adventure that you can find rumors for, like the Cursed Castle, the Terrible Tower, the... Um, Dread, dreadful Dungeon. The Dreadful Dungeon, the Forbidden Forest, uh, Haunted Hamlet. <clears throat> there's six <clears throat> different areas that you can um, possibly have an adventure in and so you're playing with these cards <clears throat> they have actions on them that you can use to <coughs> pardon me you're okay um, different actions you can use to help manipulate your hand trying to get a set of at least five of one type of rumor there are also shadow rider cards which tend to clog up your hand and make it hard for you to do things in the meanwhile you can gamble you can play darts you can arm wrestle uh, you can do, there's a drinking game you can do so it's a tavern and so yes yeah, a tavern <laughs> so you can either win by collecting five of the same rumor type mm -hmm. or you can get six of the shadow rider cards or you can collect twelve coins uh, and amassing wealth so any one of those ways and we're based on uh, some feedback we had from a recent play today we may even add another mode where you can win by collecting legendary adventure cards well that's an idea. And yeah. so you have multiple yeah. ways to win. Mm -hmm. In the meanwhile, you're having fun playing these little games and trying to uh, manipulate some of the actions you have in there. There's an action that's kind of like Go Fish, where you can ask someone to give you a rumor. There's other actions where you're just <clears throat> eavesdropping or gossiping with the barmaid or asking the barkeep for things. So there's just a lot of different actions you can take trying to manipulate your hand to get what you need to win thing about the game is that we have brought it out with our family. This is intended for um, all gamers have the problem that when you go to a family gathering, there are three people in the group who have never played a game in their lives, right? right? And they don't want to play games and they hate you for making them sit down to the table all the time with them. And so this game, um, we've brought it out at all of the holiday 
gathering since we started developing it about nine months ago. And we have had so much success with it, you know, that in fact, um, we brought the game out at Thanksgiving uh, with one of our family groups and they liked it so well, they said at Christmas, well, you know, if you come over at one o'clock, we could play games <laughs> until dinner at five. <laughs> so you <laughs> so, built a nice little gateway game, <laughs> that's what right? It to is. get people into right. the yeah, hobby, yeah. right? Yeah, well, nice. and it's something that you can you can bring out with it, it. It's very interactive, very social, and it's great for a family group where you've got mixed gamers and not gamers. You know, right. so so I have to ask this though. Is this one of your hand-painted um That's the hand-painted one. All right. Yeah. I can't wait to see that one. Yeah. Uh, it, I, she said this earlier. You know, she's an artist by trade, and she has done the, the designs for all of the games here, but I can't wait to see the hand-painted ones. I mean, the, the graphic design ones, they're great, but hand-painted art on cards is another step up. Mm-hmm. So what made you think to go hand-painted over graphic design on this? Um, well, it's a combination. Uh, one is just the artistic challenge. You know, I, I, I want to push myself to another level, right? Um, the other is um, I look at some games that I've bought them because the art is beautiful. Right. And I just want to bring some beautiful art into the games. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, a great thing. You know. I, that's actually the first thing, I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I'm work, walking down the aisles of the game store, if it's mm-hmm. attractive art, I'll go to that game. Yeah. Even if I even never thought of it, even if I don't buy it, it got me to at least yeah. notice it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great well, thing. We think that's important. I mean, the first thing that you have is uh, the visuals, the art, is to attract people to come look at it. Then you've got to capture them with theme, and they have to be interested in the theme. And then finally, the gameplay has to hold up. But all those are elements to a good game. Yeah. And uh, usually, with like two exceptions, those two that came to me kind of in dreams, um, most of my games, I come up with a theme first. I don't, you know, I know, I know some designers that tend to come up with a mechanic and try to wrap a theme around it. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I come up with a theme, something that sounds interesting. And then try to build a theme around what the game needs to do. I mean, the mechanics should be kind of built around that. Uh, and then Carly makes it come to life with her art. So, right. Well, I can't wait. And this, when do you expect this to be hitting? Um, Which Burning Phoenix in? Yeah. Um, actually, I'm... I'm waiting for, I'm painting furiously. <laughs> Today's the first day in, in a month that I haven't been painting. Um, but uh, I expect to have artwork done this month. And then um, I think we're probably, this is one that we're, we're seriously considering just printing ourselves. Okay. So um, as soon as they get done with Chinese New Year, we're going to get a prototype made from the printer and then um, roll it out. So it'll probably be. Um, hitting this, you know, back in our shop at about the time that we're hitting Kickstarter with Blackstone. Okay. Yeah, and so. we'll we'll uh, start making it available through our website. But we're also when we go to conventions, we're going to start at some point. We're going to start setting up tables and trying to sell it. Uh, yeah, I think we're going we're going to hope yeah, we're going to hope to exhibit at the Spring BGG Con. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'll see you earliest. guys there because we're going too. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. Yeah, that's the earliest. I'm not 100% sure we're going to be ready to have a table, um, but we certainly will by the fall. Okay. Um, and uh, this year we're mostly doing scouting on Gen Con and Origins, but uh, I think next year we'll plan to exhibit. Right. So. 
those are hard to get into. The, yeah, they're 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 a bigger deal. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, what I want to talk to you guys now, you know, burning Phoenix in. It's coming out probably third, fourth quarter. Uh, oh, maybe. I, oh, I think we'll actually have it in our hands in the spring. Great. So yeah. second quarter, we should have that mm-hmm. one as well. Uh, but I want to talk to you, Harvey and Carly. What got you into gaming? Well, this, you want me to yeah, go first, or you, you want to go? But you go first. Yeah. Well, as a kid, I was uh, I was very sick. I missed as many as 120 days of school in one year from being sick. So um, usually, if it was sunny out. All the other kids were outside. I may have been too sick to go out, so I didn't get to do anything. So my fun was playing board games and things. Uh, so I did a lot of game playing when I was young. And um, at around 1979, I got into role-playing games. I was playing like Dungeons and & Dragons. And then when I moved down here to Texas, I introduced some new people to it. And at some point, I identified some aspects of the game I didn't like too well. And I ended up designing my own uh, role-playing game called Knight's Journey around 1984. And my group that played their um, the role-playing games with us, once I came out with it, the only role-playing we played uh, for the next eight or ten years was my role-playing game. And I still have that, and I am hope to one day uh, create a maybe a board game based on that using some of the same mechanics. But I've always just been a big gamer. But I didn't, I wasn't really aware of this explosion of board games that happened until I met Carly four years ago. I guess I wasn't running in the right crowds to be aware of all these new games that were out there. And so once uh, I met her and she had been introduced to it by a former boss of hers. So she's the one that got me really into all these board games. And one day she just challenged me like, because I always said, I always wanted to be a game designer. I don't know why I just love games so much. I always wish I could design board games. And she says, well, Here's a challenge. Go, go create we'll something and see what you know, see what happens. And she hasn't been able to stop me since. <laughs> so it's your fault. It is. It's my fault. So Carly, what got you into gaming? Well, uh, what, uh, Harvey mentioned that uh, I I was working in a, a, a an IT shop in in Corsicana, and it's a real small town and real small IT shop in a real small building, um, and. Our boss, the CIO, uh, was is is still a board game collector and player, and he had a regular group, and he invited all of us who were on his staff to come every Wednesday night, and I started with you know well okay I'll go play a game, um, you know it's it's good for team building right, <laughs> and uh, uh, then I played again and then pretty soon I was going every Wednesday and. Um, you know, and then when Harvey came into the picture um, and he took to it so, so enthusiastically, um, I played more and more and more, and now we play every night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So what game was it, though, that really hooked you in? Um, do you know what? King of Tokyo was probably really? that was the first one that really, <laughs> that really caught my fancy because um, we were playing that one night, and one of the gentlemen who worked for me at the time, um, he's... Bills himself as 
I'm a pacifist. I'm a pacifist. And he plays like a pacifist everywhere. And then we played King of Tokyo, and at some point, he rolled six claws and killed me. (laughs) That doesn't look like a pacifist to me. (laughs) You go kill the boss. I mean, you know, duh. (laughs) But that that was so fun uh, because it was so out of character for him. And, um, you know, it, it, it just amused me enormously to to see that happen so yeah that was (laughs) that was it that was yeah since then it's been you know well what else you got (laughs) (laughs) so have you jumped on the kickstarter craze where you're just like what's what's this now what's coming out next oh unfortunately i i you know (laughs) what i i've been studying this kickstarter thing because Uh obviously we want to do some of that so i've been trying to learn about it and um, the most recent sin that I committed was um, uh, a purchase of Grim, Fo- Grim Forest because I was told, go study their Kickstarter page. It's awesome. And they did really well. And you need to learn from these guys at, at Druid Games. And um, so I went and studied their Kickstarter page. And next thing you know, I'm signing up. I know, right? <laughs> And it's not our kind of game because it's a very, very um, attack you um, in your face kind of a game. And we don't play that kind of stuff much, but we can't wait to turn it into a co op. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to turn it into a co op so we can play it. Oh, game, I can't wait to see what that, that, mean, that is. A game that's that mean is going to be a great co op game because then the game is attacking us. Right. You know, the same way that um, we don't like to attack each other. So. <laughs> They're not kidding here. Uh, I went to the Dallas Design Group with them on Wednesday, and when there was a very take-that type of game being played. <laughs> yeah. And they were sitting next to each other, and never once did they ever attack each other. They, they were prepped on the other side to defend whatever's coming, but they knew, like, no, no they're not no. going to, he's not going to attack me, she's not going to attack me. That's mm-hmm. right, that's right. We don't, and, and yeah, they should that, it gives, gives unfair advantage. <laughs> well, because in that game, if you're sitting, you can only really attack the people right next to you, right? So if they had realized, they would have separated us because it was unfair <laughs> to them for us to be next to each other. Yeah, yeah unfair advantage. I, I won both games, didn't I? Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfair advantage, what can I say? Because I was sitting next well, to a friend on the Brett, other side, too, and he, and he wasn't was not attacking you. <laughs> yeah, because he was attacking me yeah, the whole right. time. That's right. right. While right. CW so. was attacking me from the other end. I was just yeah. like, yeah, uh, I'm yeah. just going to sit here. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I, I just played a girl game and uh, um, won. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, well, this has been Harley and Carly, uh, Harvey and Carly with Dragon Phoenix Games. Uh, look forward for their Kickstarter Blackstone Castle uh, next quarter. And guys, it was great. Uh, We'll see you later on today. And we'll be back uh, at another time at a different... Sorry, the tagline is, I'll be saying different words in a different order. So I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.